episode 77 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from pornography addiction. If you or anyone that you know is struggling with pornography addiction or compulsive sexual behavior, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com. There you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. You can also find a link to it off of my website, tonyoverbay.com. Uh, Hey, I mentioned last week that the virtual couch was celebrating a birthday. One year ago, last week, I started the podcast, and I have to say that I was was very uh, taken back, happily surprised by the number of texts and emails that I received from listeners, friends, passing along their happy birthday messages. So thank you to that. A couple of quick announcements. I am beyond grateful for all the emails that come in now on uh, practically a daily basis, and I do my best to read and respond to them all. And I get a number of questions, and I'm going to try to start answering many of them through the Instagram stories mode. I'm also going to see if I can use the same video or the same answers to maybe put on my Facebook stories mode too. Uh, Quick tangent, today's episode, the episode with Nikki Harmon, Last week, if you follow my Virtual Couch Instagram account, you will see my first attempt at trying to kind of do a live story of while I was talking to Nikki, and holy cow, I felt like such an old man. I mean, I really felt like, you know, I'm holding the phone as if I didn't know what it was doing, and I'm, you know, I'm almost thinking like, look, Nikki, you know, we're, we're, on, uh, we're on the computer, we're on the phone, and it just it felt awkward. I'm pretty sure it was awkward, um, but hey, it's my maiden voyage. I am not attaching any guilt or shame to that. I am being aware of it, practicing my own mindfulness skills, practicing my acceptance and commitment therapy, listening to the stories that my mind is telling me, and uh, they aren't productive. They're not workable thoughts. So I'm going to continue to try to figure out that uh, the Instagram stories mode so I can answer some of the questions that come in because there's so many good questions. So if you haven't done so already, um, please follow me on Instagram at Virtual Couch and on Facebook at Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. And on that note, um, I am also in the process of floating out my first email to all those who have signed up to learn more at TonyOverbay.com, kind of with an update on things. So please sign up there to stay um, up on upcoming projects and programs and uh, books and all that kind of good stuff. So today's episode is also on YouTube. So if you want to watch a video of my interview with Nikki Harmon, and she's so fun to watch. She's animated. Uh, it's fun. I tried to find like a one um, a screen capture to put on my uh, Instagram account kind of saying, hey, this episode is coming up. And it was kind of fun just to watch all of her, the, the her reaction. She's so animated. Um, and it's such a good episode. She shares so much. So Please, if you want to check out, see what uh, what that's like, um, go to the YouTube channel and watch and subscribe. Look for the Virtual Couch YouTube channel. I felt like I was stumbling over that too. Again, like I'm some old man. Like, what's this YouTube that I hear about? And But I think you're going to love this interview. Nikki is a licensed marriage and family therapist as well. I've known Nikki for several years, but this was the first time that we've actually had an opportunity to talk. And I don't want to spoil any of the story, but I've followed Nikki on social media for years. She used to have a, well, I mean, she's a wonderful blogger. And then I followed her on Instagram, Facebook, that sort of thing. But Nikki's story is one of, I mean, man, if, you, if I start pulling words, uh, tragedy, loss, um, grit, determination, sadness, grief, uh, hope, change, peace. I mean, honestly, just about any descriptive word that you can think of, really, you can apply to Nikki's story. But in following her Facebook page, she recently posted something that I thought just so beautifully summed up kind of life in as a struggle, life as a journey, but ultimately life as hope and what you do with your life, you know, once we kind of accept that uh, life is, is hard. I mean, that's it is. So once you accept that, 
Um, the book The Road Less Traveled talks about this. Once you accept that, then the fact that life is hard no longer really matters. It's kind of what we do with that information. Um, but but so she this post of hers just summed things up so well that I reached out to her and I asked her about coming on and reading her post and then doing a little interview. But in the time that we were able to schedule the interview, which was pretty quick, actually a week or two, her post has pretty much gone viral. And we talk about that in the interview, but the, at, even at the time of this recording, I mean, it had thousands and thousands of shares, not views, um, but shares. So, of course, that means even more thousands and thousands of views. So we talk about where you can find Nikki at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the interview, but I'll have that info as well in the show notes. And, of course, before we get to the interview with Nikki, if you'll just kind of bear with me for another minute or two, uh, let me take uh, just a chance to talk to you about bloomforwomen.com. Um, bloomforwomen.com deals specifically, and this is pretty applicable to today's episode and some of the things that Nikki's going to talk about, but specifically with betrayal trauma. Um, betrayal trauma is, is very real. It's extremely real, and the symptoms are very similar to PTSD, uh, women dealing with triggers and uh, what do you do with those triggers, and, um, and bloomforwomen.com has a site that has been designed, uh, the content on the site has been designed by professionals now that have years and years of research, evidence-based research under their belts. And I want to assure you that there is help. I personally have done an extensive amount of training now in the field of betrayal trauma with the folks who have created Bloom for Women. And so if you're experiencing the betrayal of a spouse for from an affair, um, an emotional affair, a drug addiction, um, if you recently discovered that your partner has a pornography addiction, please stop by bloomforwomen.com. And I really, please do that. A lot of times... Um, a lot of women don't know what to do, and uh, especially when dealing with this. And there are some really key things that that would be beneficial to happen um, with the discovery phase, with the um, to help the the couple kind of the way that they are going to talk about the betrayal trauma, and especially for the women. We we don't want them to feel like. Uh, that they are alone. We don't want them to feel like, you know, oh, I can't say anything about it. So just, again, please stop by bloomforwomen.com. You can use the coupon code virtualcouch, all one word, and you get one month um, free to their evidence-based programs, information, that entire community of support that is designed to help you grow and heal. And uh, we're kind of shifting gears, right? And, uh, and these guys have been with me since the beginning. If you shave any part of your body, head, face, legs, arms, chest, top of your feet, your toes, anywhere, male or female, I would encourage you to check out Eli's Extracts. Um, Eli's Extracts is an all-natural organic shave cream, and it's scented with essential oils. Um, visit elis-extracts.com and use coupon code VIRTUALCOUCH for 25% off your entire order of their incredible soothing healing shave cream. All right, that's uh, enough of that. Let's get to my interview with Nikki Harmon. I really, really think that you're going to truly love because I don't think I've ever told you this, but I think one of the first times I ever saw you was you were, um, we were at a, a, a similar church meeting mm-hmm. and you were singing. And I think, <laughs> did you have, would your sisters have been in? Yes. So my sister, Callie is actually like an LDS musician. She's a big deal. I've, I've watched some of her videos and yeah, yeah. She, she's got some albums out, like a desert book and stuff like that. So yeah. So yes, she would have been singing with me probably. Okay. And so I was, I was near you. And so I just hear this, you know, amazing singing and I, I'm a horrible singer, but I really enjoy singing. And I found one of the, you know, two things. The first thing I found was, holy cow, you know, these, these ladies know how to sing. And then the second part was, I felt like, okay, they're going big and they sound good. So I feel like I can kind of bump my volume up a little bit. And I, I went for it. I yeah. Did. yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, thank you. No, I have a memory of like a random church meeting where there was goose <laughs> honking. I never put that together, but yes, that was, uh, that was me. You, it sounded, I'm sure like an angel was behind you. Right. Um, and then at that point, uh, yeah, yeah. And so then, and so then I was kind of aware of, of who you were and then yeah. and I will get to your kind of your journey because I know we had connected it a couple of times there when you were, I think on your road to becoming a therapist, which was mm-hmm. kind of fun. But before I want to start, if you're okay with the thing and you, we, we, we will trade messages. You and I know each other, but you posted something and I even, I copied and pasted it August 3rd. Um, is that right? Or is that just when the person maybe you shared it? Does that sound about right? Around then, yeah. Okay. So you shared something on your Nikki Harmon LDS marriage and family therapist page that I just, I thought was just beautiful. And then, you know, I blink my eyes, look a couple of days later, it's been shared thousands of times. And I mean, so I think is this, as the kids say, has it gone viral? Yes, I have no idea what like the definition of that would be. I mean, it's for sure the most shared, liked, commented on posts that I've ever done. Okay. And um, yeah, I think at this point there's like 800 comments and 5,000 shares or yeah. reach of like hundreds of thousands of people. I have no idea. And I've been posting on my social media accounts for a long time. I just... I've never had something just kind of like, light I, think that's, up. I think that's viral. Yeah. And, and even when you and I were setting this up, I, I said, Oh, a couple of my friends from high school shared it. How do you know these people? And you're like, I don't know these people. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, that's viral. That's good. That's yeah. the definition. So I, are you okay? Do you, are you, do you mind reading the post? Sure. Okay. Sure. And then we can kind of, let's talk about it. All right. I would love to do that. Let me, let's see. I took a little picture of it so I can. Okay. Okay. So when I was single, I would dream of finding the one and could not wait until my happily ever after got started. Being single was hard and lonely. I anxiously looked to the future and marriage and happiness. Then I got married and discovered that marriage is hard. And I still sometimes felt lonely. And I couldn't wait until we had lots of fat babies to bring giggles and love and happiness to our lives. Then when I was pregnant with my second child, I found out that my husband had been addicted to drugs for many, many years, and our marriage began to crumble. And I learned that divorce is hard. And then I learned that being single with two young children is hard. And the next five years were full of hard. And after a bunch of bumps and sometimes mountains in the road, I am now married to a wonderful man. And you know what? It is still hard. We are blending lives and he's raising kids that were not born to him. And we've adopted a little boy from an orphanage in Eastern Europe. And it is hard. And I'm realizing that it will always be hard. Whether you are single or married or divorced or have young kids or can't have kids or have older kids making bigger mistakes or are an empty nester or working too many hours at a job you hate or are unemployed wishing you had a job to hate. Life is full of hard. The trick is to learn to be happy in the hard, to find the goodness no matter how small it might be. We must stop waiting for the next phase of life, stop looking for happiness around the next corner and learn to find it wherever we are right in this moment. Because before you know it, this moment somehow becomes years and years that have passed you by. So choose to be happy in the heart. <laughs> Man. And you said there, I'm consciously working on this lately, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, what? Okay. So 
was this just a man, I'm feeling it. I'm just going to type something out. Had this been something that you had been working on for a while? What was behind this post? I mean, I have, so I have an Instagram account where I post uplifting quotes and thoughts and experiences. Um, and that's a little plug that I I followed that forever. Yeah. It's just, it's have joy underscore therapy, kind of an awkward handle, but that's my Instagram handle. And Mm. I post quotes and just uplifting content. And, um, I just made a goal to post every day for 30 days. And so I was kind of thinking through what kind of things are uplifting. Do I want to talk about? And I had just got these family pictures back and there's this one of my husband and I, and I'm just thinking, man, this picture has such a big story behind it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that that's been something I've learned through lots of my personal experiences and I thought that would be helpful and turns out it was helpful to some thousand people or whatever. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. So, and, uh, and, um, I guess I probably would have already said this in the intro and it's on the title of the podcast, but you are also a marriage and family therapist. I am. So, um, this is in our world, this is really vulnerable, right? Yeah. I mean, so do you, how was there a, uh, where, did you hesitate at all before hitting send or what was that like? I actually hesitate on almost all my, my because I, you know, as a therapist, um, it's not about my experiences and Mm. there's a boundary there with my clients and I'm not sharing my own stuff. And also, you know, one of the main predictors of whether therapy is successful is how connected the client feels to the therapist. And one of the ways we feel connected to people is to know their story. And so I've kind of found myself in this weird space between being a therapist and having boundaries, but also having kind of an online presence and wanting to share my story because that's how people connect to me. And I think there's real power in that connection and there's there's a lot of value in that I think that is an instigator of change when you feel that connection to someone and so yeah this is kind of a new space in in the therapy world in general kind of opening myself up and you know what there's going to be people who know my story or who find out that I'm divorced and aren't interested in coming to me as a therapist yeah you know there's people who aren't going to come to me because I'm a female too or because of my age or you know like there's all kinds of things that people would be comfortable or not comfortable with and so I've kind of just been I just feel really strongly about sharing my story and I just kind of I went for it and there's for sure been times that I get backlash about that there's people kind or who yeah you know but I haven't ever one time lost a client over it as far as I know yeah. Well, and I think that we, we live in the world too of trying to not only vulnerable, but we want to be, we want our clients to be authentic. Yeah. But I think that's part of what we do. And I love what you're saying of, uh, man, I quote that one all the time. Even, I don't know if you do in the, when you get a new client and the, Hey, the most important thing is if, yeah. if there's a connection, if not, you, Hey, go find another therapist and I won't be offended. And that's part of the job. And then inside I'm thinking, please don't leave. Then I will have insecurity yeah. issues. Right. I always say I'll cry. I'll cry for a minute, but there you go. I'll okay. help you find someone else. Yeah, yeah, but I like it. So you're you're sharing your story, and I do feel, and I'm sure that you've already probably saw this from the comments. But um, every time I feel like someone can share a story that they have made it through a difficult time, uh, there's a lot of people there that feel like whether they're in the middle of it that there's never going to be an end, or they right. feel like this was only them, or or you know you have a, a great. Uh, you know, yeah, the family pictures look great and your, your therapist page looks great. And so it's like, wait a minute, she, 
had trouble, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Def- yeah. And that was one thing I experienced going through my divorce too, was just that really isolated feeling. Mm. And, you know, there wasn't like a lot of Facebook groups. I've been divorced now. That was, it's been, let's see, 2008. So it's been 10 years since, okay. I mean, that's a long time. Yeah. There weren't like a lot, there weren't like a lot of online support groups. There weren't a lot of people talking about that as much as there are now. And so, yeah, I felt really isolated. And there are one or two people in my life who had been through divorce and they were like my lifelines, you know, they were the ones I could look to and go, Oh, they made it through this. I can make it through this. And I think that's, that's a, that's a part of the value of what. Yeah, I do. I'm curious too. And, uh, and this is, I, the last thing I want to do is make this, um, this is about you. I want to interview, but when you talked earlier about, um, putting yourself out there and it's scary and, you know, I just hit my, uh, yesterday is a one year anniversary of my podcast and I still feel like, uh, it's pretty scary to kind of share stories. And sometimes you forget that you even said one and somebody, you know, says, Hey, uh, like the story about whatever. And all of a sudden, sometimes I feel like, Oh, they stalking me, you know, or how do they know? Right. But, uh, Oh wait, no, I talked about it. So that is hard. And, and I liked how you were saying earlier, you know, there's going to be people that are going to, they are going to judge, even if we're, you know, I can do a whole podcast on don't judge and I'll get nice judgy emails back. Right. right? Yeah. And it's okay. Right. Yeah. That's okay. Um, all right. Are you, okay? let's kind of start. Well, okay. Uh, I was, I think where I was headed there, my first ADD moment, um, was the feedback you've received. Are there some that are harder to read than others? Are there people that are kind of letting you know they're in the middle of it or what's that been like? Um, Yeah, a lot of people are in the middle of it. Well, and the thing I think that's so that's been really um, positive about this post is it it encompasses every single thing you could be possibly experiencing. Like anyone who reads that post is going to find themselves in one piece or another of it, you know, because life as a general rule is just full of challenges. And so whether you're at the beginning of that post in the single phase or whether you're at the end, wherever you're at in there, yeah. people could find something to relate to. And so, yeah, over and, and people were tagging their husband in it. Like it's hard, but we're still good. You know, like people yeah. are friends and connecting and um, it's been really uplifting. It's been like reading through all those comments. There's, I had one crazy guy on there. <laughs> <laughs> Other than crazy guy, Uh, everybody, I mean, literally every single other comment has been positive and not just necessarily towards me, but like each other, they'll tag their partner and then they're, they're having this conversation with their partner on the post or, you know, yeah, all strength based. Right. Right. I I have to tell you that come from as a therapist. Exactly. That's, that's that's why I dig you, Nikki. We're strength based therapists, right? Uh, Get rid of the guilt and shame. Yeah. Um, one of the things I really thought was interesting is somebody who works with a lot of uh, uh, men, men related issues is that I loved your line about um, whether you're working hours at a job you hate or are unemployed wishing you had a job to hate. Yeah. I, boy, I see that one often where, you know, um, it, it's always uh, you we're, we don't know what we have until it's gone. I know that's the cliche. Right. But that one kind of struck me there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, learning how to be happy in the hard. I mean, um, what comes to mind? What are, what are your, if somebody asks you that question, what, what do you do with that? Yeah. Oh man. I would say, how long you got, <laughs> 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 but you know, I think there's, I think there's three kind of takeaways that I have narrowed it down to. If I was going to just give you the meat and bones of what I really think. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest ways that we're happy in the hard is that we choose to focus on what we can control rather than wasting energy and time focused on 
all the things that are outside of our control. Yeah. So much of our angst comes from worrying about this future event, worrying about this person's actions, worrying about da, 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 da. Yeah. And that's going to make you crazy, right? Yeah. Because you yeah. have no control over any of that. And if you're spending all your energy focused on it, then you're going to end up in the loony bin, right? Which yeah. Hey, so um, if you're okay, if we can kind of uh, organically now go back and forth. I love that takeaway. And then let's kind of jump back on your story timeline, because I feel like that was probably a pretty applicable takeaway for you. Focus on what you can control, maybe even um, let's dive in and, and maybe tell me what that was like, especially when the, the part you shared in the, uh, the post about the divorce and the discovery, um, from your husband. So, uh, you gave me a timeline. I'm grateful for that. You got married in you know, 2004. I think this is a nice place to plug that we're going to have this up on YouTube as well. Cause I think that we could easily make a joke about, you know, you look very, very young. So, uh, I do. yeah, so I think there's a nice age joke here. Oh, you were 10 or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I get that from clients all the time. They walk in and they're like, you're my therapist. Are you 15? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now it's going to be like, hey, uh, take a minute, read this post, right? Yeah. <laughs> experience. So I got married in 2004. Um, hey, real quick too. I think uh, we're, we, were, we were trying to figure out how maybe there was a person we knew in common. And I loved the fact that, uh, what did you do in college, Nikki? <laughs> Oh, here we go. Yes, I was, a, I was a cheerleader at my college. I went to Brigham Young University and I was a cheerleader there back in a different life. Yeah. Was that was that a blast though? Did you love oh, that? It is so fun being down there on like Lavelle Edwards Stadium in front of 70,000 people. Wow. I mean, there's not really much better than that. And one of the years I was a cheerleader there, it was Lavelle's last year coaching actually. And so, and they were undefeated. It was wow. just like a huge fun you travel all over and like, you know, yeah. What a blast, was, right? Yeah. And so then what was, what did you do out of, did you get married? Were you in college when you got married or was so it? I had graduated. It was okay. right after I graduated from college. Yeah. That I got okay. married. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you said pregnant with your second baby. Yeah. Yes. So, um, he had, I mean, I had, when I found out that he had been using drugs, that had been the whole time. So we got married, we moved to Sacramento, which is Mm -hmm. where our paths crossed. Um, And I just, I had no idea. I was very naive. I grew up in a really conservative kind of sheltered home and I just had no clue. And looking back, I could see signs, but in the moment I just had no idea to the man for two years before I Okay. I was gonna say, when you look back, I mean, do you have uh, thoughts around that? I mean, you know, you're, you're young, uh, naive, newlyweds, everything's going to work out great. Right. I mean, that's how we go into that. What were the signs that you maybe overlooked? Mm-hmm. Um, but like one, oddly enough is that we never fought. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for me as like, you know, I was 20, three or whatever I was when I got married that I thought was a really good sign because mm. we just worked through everything and our relationship was so great that we didn't have any conflict. But what was happening was he was just internalizing all of, you know, the stuff going on for him and then coping by mm. using. Okay. So he was just kind of like, yes, whatever you want. And then he would go kind of self-medicate to cope with all of that. So the fact that we didn't have a lot of conflict looking back is actually a red flag. Okay. Should have had a fight. We should have known what that looked like. We should have, and we dated for a year. It's not like 
I got married, you know, a week after I met. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I just thought we were really good at working through that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, you, when you were pregnant and you learned, I mean, do you, is that something still, you know, to this day that you remember what that experience yeah. was like? Oh yeah. yeah. I was pregnant with our second baby, just newly pregnant. And he came home from work and I like leaned up to give him a kiss or something. And he turned his cheek. Mm. So for me to like kiss him on the cheek instead of to kiss him on the mouth. And I was like, why did you turn your face away? And he said, Oh, I was eating beef jerky in the car. I'm bad for something like he gave some kind of excuse. And then I kind of smelled and I said, you're what you're smoking. Like I smell smoke on you. Why are you smoking cigarettes? That makes no sense. Yeah. And wasn't cigarettes. Mm. And, um, I, yeah. So I kind of found out that he was using, using substances, but very mild substances, not like, you know, mm. but that was just kind of tip of the iceberg. It was, mm. it went very, very deep and, and there were lots and lots of betrayals and financial stuff and, no. you know, relationships outside. I mean, there was just, it was yeah. just okay. thing after thing that kind of happened. And when you talk about the, even the takeaway of, of, you know, focus on what you can control, was that hard to determine what you could control at that time? And I am a control person. Okay. That is my safe place, right? Mm-hmm. And my my husband now lovingly calls me a planner, right? <laughs> is that the nice word for control? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Everything. I just need to plan. Uh, <laughs> and yes, and I had grown up. I always, I always say this. I like grew up in this fluffy cloud, white kind of happy life. Yeah. And all of a sudden, here was this person who was doing all of these things that were so outside my scope of reality, like, Mm. like it was not anywhere in my awareness. And, and then it started becoming worse and worse. I don't know. It just, yes. The the lesson to learn to control myself and allow my husband to make his own choices was incredibly difficult, especially because his choices affected me. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not some stranger on the street. No, I have to let him choose. And also that could hurt me and mm. it, it hurt me and it continued to hurt me, you know? And yeah. anyway, and I do want to clarify something that, um, something that when I was going through all of that and, um, I went to therapy, we were going to therapy together. Yeah. And my therapist told me, you know, if you leave him because he's doing drugs, <laughs> That's probably, what did he say? He said, that's a, I would tell you that wasn't really the right choice. He's like, lots of people drink alcohol and have great relationships or smoke, whatever, and and have great relationships. And he's like, but once that trickles down and becomes a relationship problem, when there's dishonesty and that, you know, like that, those are the issues that you look at in your relationship. It's not that my husband's doing something I disagree with. Right. Okay. Because husbands just have you disagree with all the time. If you've ever been married, right. Right. I mean, like all the time, that's not necessarily a reason to say like, Oh, I'm done with this marriage. But when it trickles down to being, relationship problems yeah so the trust issues the honesty yeah right right then that's where it it starts to become damaging okay 
Yeah. So then during that time, then did, were, did you, was that a pretty lengthy process to kind of get empowered or do you feel like? Yeah. So I knew, I mean, I knew about his using for probably about a year before um, I filed for divorce. Mm, okay. Kind of just went downhill very quickly once I found out. Um, I mean, he quit going to work and he wouldn't come home at night. Like he'd be gone for days and days at a time. Mm-hmm. He'd come home totally high or whatever, whatever he was happening, happened to do that day, you know, like, and, and it started to become dangerous around my children. Yeah. <laughs> and there were like a lot of things that happened. And I even had the birth of my second baby happened in there. I actually gave birth to her by myself. He dropped mm-hmm. me off and I, went into the hospital and never came back. And, um, so, I mean, there were some big, some big trauma things that happened that year. And I finally kind of had this moment and he had this moment where I sat with him and I said, what do you want from me? Because I, like I'm begging and it's not working. And then I'm trying to force you and it's not working. And then Mm. I'm crying and it's not like, what do you want from me? And he sat there and he said, I just want you to leave me alone. And I was like, you know what? And that was kind of a click for me. Like I cannot control this person. Okay. And so how do I control myself and how do I make my circumstances safe for my kids? Yeah. And that's when my focus shifted. Okay. And was that a pretty empowering moment then? Or was it still just a scary, what's ahead of me moment? Oh, no, it was terrifying. Mm. I mean, I, no one in my family's divorced. I, I had it ever one time in my entire scope of life thought that I might be facing divorce ever. It was not in my reality. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, it's terrifying. I don't know what that's going to look like moving forward. Financially, I don't know what that's going to look like. Who's going to want me? I'm divorced. Mm-hmm. I have two kids. Like, no mm-hmm. one's going to want me after that. Um, so many insecurities. And, and I had to get to the point that I was okay. If I was alone for the rest of my life, that was better than being connected to a damaging situation. Okay. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you get there? Um, I don't know. I mean, I was in therapy. Yeah. So- I I was communicating with close friends or family okay. members, clergy members that I trusted. Yeah. I was doing things that filled my spirit. I was writing a lot. I was reading. Hmm. Um, I like that though. You're you were because uh, sometimes people the the shame maybe will cause them to isolate or withdraw. Yeah. So it sounds like you that was the the one thing you couldn't do at that point. Yeah, I mean, I was really lucky. I didn't have family close by. My mom was diagnosed with cancer right during this whole thing and started treatments and she lived in a different part of the state. And so I, I didn't have family close by, but I had angel friends who Mm. kind of just, I mean, they watched my kids for me when I went back to school and they brought me meals and they, I mean, to this day, it makes me emotional that they Mm. like carried me through that time. Wow. Um, but yeah, once I finally, I, I feel like leading up to the decision was a lot of heaviness and confusion and blackness. Yeah. Once I made the decision, I felt peace. Okay. Underneath up top, there's still chaos. There's still anxiety and uncertainty, but underneath it, I felt peace. And that was 
huge answer for me and a motivator to push me forward that no matter what kind of chaos happens up here, if I'm feeling peace underneath that, then I can move forward. Were were you, and I wonder um, as a therapist and as you going through that, I'm curious, do you see a lot of when people, they're so scared of making that kind of that final commitment to, to go and then that feeling of peace or relief or weight off their shoulders or that sort of thing when they do, do you see a lot of that? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and also it's still hard, yeah. you know, like, like just because you're feeling that peace doesn't mean that you're going to have an easy road. So be careful. Like, you know, I've client, I see a lot of, of women who are newly divorced or, um, kind of working through that stuff. And, and yeah, leading up to that, it's, it can be really isolating because for me, I didn't talk. My friends didn't know there were problems in my marriage. Hardly anyone in my family knew that that was going on. And so I was kind of like putting on this happy face for everyone in my world when inside, literally my life was falling apart. And, um, and yeah, but once I finally made the decision, yeah. Then people started finding out I'm getting divorced. All of a sudden there was support happening for me. And so I feel like the space between <laughs> the space before the decision was yeah. harder than the space after the decision. Okay. Yeah. Um, hey, when did you decide then I think I'll be a therapist? So my undergrad at BYU was um, in, what was it? Marriage and family studies. Oh, okay. Okay. So I had always wanted to do that. Uh-huh. I thought I would do it down the road. <laughs> my plans got bumped up. Sure. And so after that all happened, I, through like mutual friends in church and whatever else, I got hooked up with a job at a university in Sacramento mm-hmm. and I became the assistant to the marriage and family therapy program. So I was basically uh-huh. like the receptionist for the program. I was like taking applications and working with the director and like all of that stuff. And so I did that for a while and was like, why don't I just go back to school? I'm here every day. Why don't yeah. I take classes? So I had no idea how I was going to make that work. I had two little kids and, um, I wasn't in a position where like I was getting child support and that kind of stuff. That wasn't. You weren't. Okay. And so I was very like, kind of in like desperate times, but, um, but it worked out and I, and I went back to school. So it's probably, I went back maybe like eight or nine months after my divorce. Okay. And then a two year program. I mean, were you, were you settled in for a while? Yeah. Okay. Um, and you put in the the timeline you sent over to, uh, just wanted to, when you talked about putting your little kids in daycare and you put in there, it killed my heart, right? Yeah. That was a tough decision. Uh, got some more posts on that. Those ones. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It killed my heart. Like I said, I'd never thought about even the possibility that I would get divorced. And so, um, the only thing I've ever wanted to be my whole life was a mom. Even as a little kid, they would ask me at school what I wanted to be. And I said, a mom. And so having my barely three-year-old and my six-month-old mm. and having to take them to a stranger all day so that I could go to work all day to make money just to pay the stranger to watch my kids. Like that, it was basically like yeah. almost evened out. I mean, it was heart-wrenching. Yeah. No, knowing that you had a uh, an end in mind. Still, though, that that had to have been hard. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Were there times, I mean, and I don't mean to sound so cliched, but even while you were going to school, were there times where you felt like maybe this isn't the right thing to do or, or once you were again, once you were kind of locked in, were you, were you in? You know, I'm a really action oriented person and I'm really action oriented in my therapy style too, which gets me into trouble sometimes. Right? Sometimes <laughs> yeah. people just need to process. Yeah, right. but, um, I am kind of like, I do all the hem and hawing before. And so okay. once I made the decision, I was like in it. Okay. So I decided this is it. I'm filing for divorce. I literally never one time looked back. And that is something I talk to my clients about a lot too, is, is like the one thing you don't want to feel in your life <laughs> is regret. You do not want to feel that. And so take all the time leading up to that decision. Think about it, research, feel it out. Like, mm. so that when you make that decision, you don't ever look back in a year or five years or 10 years and say, what if? Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, And so I, I feel like I really did that. And so once I committed, I committed when I was in my program and I loved my master's program. It was so, I mean, it was like therapy and, you know, connection I'm learning and that's kind of my jam. So, yeah. so. Uh, I'm curious, a, a, a real quick kind of side note on that. I remember when I started in my master's program and I've talked to other people, did you get the speech of, Hey, you're going to learn a lot of different things. This is really going to change you as a person. Did you kind of get that? Oh, yeah. And yeah. so I, I, so you already had, you know, you're in this position in life that like you say, you didn't anticipate being in, in this journey. And then I, I wonder, was that difficult? Was it, a, or was it uh, refreshing? Did it keep you focused on different things? What was that like? Yeah, I feel like it was really healing for me, okay. honestly, you know, because, because as a therapist and learning how to be a therapist, you're working on your own stuff. Too. Mm. <laughs> exactly. Like, techniques and stuff, but you're also like processing and you're in, you know, supervision and you're like, you, so I, I feel like it saved me in so many ways because it pulled me out mm. of just this place where I could have just wallowed or felt so overwhelmed. And it gave me a goal and a purpose and an insight. Sounds like, I mean, so then, you know, here I'm having these, wait a minute, I thought I knew myself, you know, moments and you're saying, okay, this is great. Now I'm kind of figuring myself out. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, then I, I was looking at uh, our, if we do the whole organic um, back to the takeaways piece. Um, do you want to jump to number two? You just do whatever. Yes, I'll do. Yeah. All right. So I, I am curious how, because I, in particular, going to school, two little kids, you know, you, you talked about your second takeaway, um, taking care of your body and soul. I mean, go ahead and I don't know, talk on that. And then I want to know, was that difficult to do during that time as well? Yes, it's so difficult and it's difficult for, I think, all of us and especially women. You know, I I work a lot with women and I think women kind of resonate with, you know, my experiences or what I say. And, and I think for, yeah, we tend to not take care of ourselves, mm, okay. <laughs> especially when we're in survival mode. If you're in a place where your life is heavy and you're super overwhelmed and you're kind of just like paddling and like taking little breaths every once in a while. Yeah. yeah the, you go like this on your priority list all the way to the bottom because you just don't have the capacity. I used to say, I feel like I am failing at everything. Oh. Because I have so many balls that I'm juggling mm -hmm. and and I'm instead of doing them a hundred percent, I can only do them 5%, 10%, 5%. And that's a failing grade. And that's what I'm doing as a mom or as a student or as a yeah. and um, 
for me during that time, being able to take care of myself sometimes meant I didn't do my dishes or I fell asleep at seven o'clock with my three-year-old when, Mm. you know, or I didn't answer my phone or I would stay in my pajamas all day with my kids and watch movies and not feel bad about it. Sometimes there there are things and it's not always, I don't know. Sometimes we think taking care of ourselves is like, go get a bubble bath or a manicure. For me, it's not always like that. You know, sometimes taking care of yourself means like, doing the best you can do and not feeling bad about it. Yeah. I always say, I'd like to give yourself permission actively, you know, and I'll even say at times with a client, if, even if you're going to be pretty sad, if you want to, you know, if you want to kind of go all in, I I feel like this kind of sounds negative, but I used to uh, say, if you're going to have a pity party, get a hat and cake and like the streamers and a balloon. And then just know that at some point, um, you know, every party has to have an indie, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. I even just the other day, I wrote a post and I said, my kids ate bread for dinner. <laughs> Not even like healthy bread. They just ate pieces of white, terrible for you bread. And yeah. you know what? They had roast the night before and they, and that was what I could do in that moment. And you just do what you can do in the moment. And don't you dare for one second feel bad about it. Yeah, I love it. I before we move on to you you work with a lot of women. Um man, the part where my heart goes out to moms in particular or I hear the story often where uh the the mom can't take a break thing and if mom gets sick and even dad says, "Hey, can you take care of me? I'm sick," you know, or our dad's going to go to work and mom's sick and you know, well, I got to go to work and I mean mom can't have sick days. I mean, and you were that was all on you. Oh yeah, that was all on me. Yeah. Um work and whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I became really good at schedules. I'm mm. like with my kids, like, oh, seven o'clock, you're in bed because I I needed that. I didn't yeah. get a break otherwise. And um, they all took naps. They all like that was just what I had to do to kind of make it through that. Yeah. Um. So then the on the timeline, then uh, you next said that then you eventually made your way to Utah, went through a few more heavy trials. What were some of those? Yeah. So I got remarried. Mm moved to Utah. We're blending families. Um, you know, we had another, we had another crossroads of our life there. I, I'm sure you don't remember this. We saw each other at a cafe Rio with your, you with that, yeah. With that husband. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was very memorable to you. I can tell. Right? <laughs> well, let's see if it was right around that time. Yeah, well, it was because honestly it was, it was, you know, and of course this is, um, you know, the, I love when people do this, like, Oh, I knew something, Nikki. I knew, you know, <laughs> I said, hi to you. You know, you didn't, you weren't very excited to see me. So, you know, (laughs) and then it was a little while later, I learned that, yeah, maybe that wasn't the best time. Yeah, that was a terrible time in my life. Um, I moved to Utah. I actually moved to Utah two weeks after my mom passed away. Okay. And I don't want to, I don't want to pass upon that. I mean, that's the part where I follow you on social media. I mean, that's, that was... what was yeah, that? that was oh. And my mom, she, she was 50 when she passed mm-hmm. away. So not old. And, um, yeah, my best friend, it was heavy, heavy, heavy. Yeah. And I found myself in another marriage that was not giving me the emotional kind of support that I wanted or needed at that time. Well, and, and desperately needed because that was the boy you, you could tell that you were close to your mom. And, right. Okay. So we were, oh. So, so I moved my kids, my mom passes away. I mean, it just, that whole time is a blur. And I even have times like, <laughs> bless her heart. My second daughter asked me the other day if I had a video of 
such and such birthday. I'm getting my third birthday and I literally cannot remember her third birthday because mm-hmm. it was right in that time where I'm, my mom's dying and we're taking care of her. And my second marriage is like, not what I thought it was going to be. And I like, so, like that whole time, I just feel like I have chunks of memory. Okay. So um, I definitely don't remember you at Cafe Rio. I was about I to say you're forgiving. My child's yeah, yeah. If, I, if you can't remember, I, you're forgiven of the Cafe Rio moment. <laughs> that is okay. Um. Yes. So that was heavy, and I didn't have friends. You know, like I said in California, when I went through my divorce, I had these angel friends because I'd been there for a while and I developed relationships. And I moved to Utah, and I did not have that. I didn't mm. know anyone. I didn't have support. I didn't have. It was very, very difficult. Yeah. So, so what what happened? I mean, after that marriage, yeah. what? Yeah. What did you do then? I mean, at that point, were you practicing? Um, so yes. So I I went back to work right after that. So yes. So my second marriage ended. So mm-hmm. I have been married three times. I love to say I'm the marriage therapist that can't stay married. But well, let's, okay, let's talk about this. I love that we were trading messages about this. And, um, you know, let, let's get let's be real here. Right. I love. And like you said earlier, there are going to be people that will sure they'll judge and, yeah. you know, they can judge away. And I also have people that sometimes I, I love. I do a lot of couples therapy. And, you know, I feel like sometimes I am saying, hey, I've been married 28 years. And so not saying that I know it all, but this is, I, you know, almost like a so trust me. But then I've had people say to me, you don't know what it's like to be in a, in a marriage that's difficult or um, to be married to someone with a personality disorder or to have someone that is, has a sex addiction. Or, and I can't say, you know, well, I'm a therapist. You know, I understand. I can't. So I feel like there's some, I mean, boy, what a lot of, when, do people say that to you? Do you ever find people saying you, you couldn't possibly understand and that they don't know your story? Yeah. So I, like I said, in therapy, I am very careful with my, I mean, I do have a lot of clients that come to me who found me on social media and kind of know my story, but I also have clients that don't. And, um, it is so interesting how powerful it is in a session with a woman crying because her marriage is falling apart and she doesn't know what to do or where to go. And I can look at her and I can say, I know exactly what that feels like. Yeah. I have been exactly where you're at. And the power in that connection and being able for her to feel not alone and to feel um, understood. I mean, it, it just is amazing the power that that has in therapy. And not only that, but I think it also opens up. um, It opens up a little more room for them maybe to get some feedback. Right. So like I can say, let me give you some hard feedback yeah. and she can hear it easier because I've been there. Right. Yeah. Rather yeah. Than, I'm lecturing her with hard feedback and I don't really know, you know, anyways. Yeah. So Yeah. I do. I do think that, that in the right time that that really creates a huge, a huge shift in the dynamic in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, completely irrelevant ish story that, uh, I, so this is that, I love this, that one where it's like, 
Nikki, I totally know what you're saying as I share a story that is completely not exactly what you're saying. So here, here's, here comes one. But I, I will. The one thought that came to mind is uh, one of my proudest moments was sitting in a session with, and you know, if somebody goes and Googles uh, me or looks me up, there's a million things about running, um, right. right? And, and some uh, distances or long distances or whatever. And I had this guy just going on and on about, you know, uh, how committed of you as a runner and he did this running stuff and people still understand him because he's a runner and run, run, run. And, and I'm sitting there wanting to be like, uh, I'm a runner, I'm a runner. Right. right? And then he, <laughs> he lays out that, you know, he's, he's ran a half marathon. He's thinking about maybe even doing a full and people don't even understand, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm wanting to be like, okay, I ran a half marathon this morning, you know, or, or whatever. And I'm like, and I tell myself, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. And I just was like, okay, he's just going to say, uh, do you, do you run or you whatever? He yeah. never did. He never did. Yeah. I never said a thing. <laughs> Proudest moment of my life. Yeah. Right. That's hard because <laughs> that's we do have a need to like connect. I know. Right. Yeah. 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 Cause I didn't want to be like, uh, Oh yeah. The, uh, marathons those are cute. Oh, right. I right. could do that in my sleep. Right. <laughs> you <know> me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Anyway, um, uh, all right. So then you're, you're there, you're practicing and yeah. then what, what happened next? Oh wait, do we have a, let's jump into what is that? Let me, let me share your third. So your second takeaway was take care of your body and soul, get enough sleep, eat well, drink water. You put the drink water part. Is that just a staying hydrated? Or are you a water person period or right? Right. Me too. Right. Well, here. I, I drink so much water. I have a huge thing that I carry around, but I also drink so much Dr. Pepper. Okay. I drink a lot of Dr. Pepper. And so when I am in like a hard place, yeah. I will carry around both my jugs. But <laughs> I, I drink a lot of soda. And yeah. like the worse off my day is, the larger my caffeine intake becomes. And so that was maybe like just for myself. Like, hey, Hey, lady, you need yeah. some water, not just DP in those. All right. So this is why, boy, I can already tell you're a good therapist. Uh, let me let me jump off screen here for one second. Yeah. So, uh, so I made a purpose. I mean, and on purpose here, I was like, I was drinking my water while we were talking. But my, uh, my hydro flask of Diet Mountain Dew was kind of standing <laughs> off to the side. So now... I will be authentic we, and we I will really are connected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the whole reason I have a, a fridge in my office and I say it so that, you know, for my clients, like, this is, Hey, I want you to feel comfortable or whatever, but it's, so I've got the stuff on hand. I don't have to walk, you know, 10 feet to the kitchen. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, yeah. So take care of like food and everything, but also sleep enough and, um, take care of your soul. Like that for me was the, like, I've always known what, kind of feeds my soul, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I don't do it. So like mm -hmm. identify what it is that feeds your soul and then do it. What, 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 what feeds your soul? What, what was that? I'm curious. So writing for me, okay. my soul. I love to write. I love to write my experiences. And, and that's a way that I feel really connected. And I kind of find meaning in, in what I've been through. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so writing for me is something that I've made a conscious effort. Like I said, I made this goal to post 30 days in a row on wow. Instagram. And it's because it's forcing me to make myself a priority and do something that I love every single day, even okay. if it's a 10 minute post, you know, yeah. not that I love posting. It's that I love writing. And that's the piece that kind of, yeah. And so I, I had somebody on one of my, she commented and said, I find things that I love, whether it's a quote or my favorite candle or whatever. And I place them strategically around my house in places where I'll see them. I um, place them on my bathroom counter. I place it right at the bottom of the stairs. I place it on my kitchen sink so that I'm intentionally seeing things that I love that bring me joy 
all around my living space or, you know, for some people it's running for some people it's whatever it is. And, but it doesn't have to be like a big, huge thing, right? Really be as simple as you go to bed early or you leave the dishes in the sink or you play with your kids, you know, like it can be as easy as giving yourself permission to not feel bad. Yeah. Not perfect. Like that is a a way that you feed your soul, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love it. I was sitting there thinking I was feeling judged because you were just a, a water person, by the way. So no, <laughs> not, um, the, exactly the opposite, actually. <laughs> exactly right. Hey, uh, and this is um, I, I promised myself I would do this as well today because you are inspiring me in the social media realm. Um, so I have never done the like an Instagram story thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I'm gonna, I want to do it right now while we're talking, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna say, hey, look who's coming next here on the virtual couch. All right. I'm going to try. Yeah. Do I, I, I think, okay, look at this. This is, uh, I guess this is happening right now, Nikki, right? Yes, so it is. Right. And you're going to be on this. It's going to be released on Monday. I can't wait. It's going to be hard to okay. talk sooner. Uh, but so <laughs> let's kind of start to talk about your third takeaway, which is it's okay to not be okay all the time. Oh, this is my favorite takeaway. I love this takeaway. Okay. And I think kind of interesting because so much of my message is find happiness. No matter what, you can find joy. You can be happy, even when it's hard. But part of being able to do that is acknowledging the heavy. Okay. Part of being able to be happy is being able to take time to feel those negative feelings, to process through them in a healthy way, to cope with them. And then you can take a deep breath and put your big girl pants on and move out and focus on the good things in your life. But okay. in my experience, if, if you are kind of in denial, if you keep kind of, no, I'm great. Everything's fine. I'm just kind of keep pushing those feelings away. They will just keep coming back, knocking louder and louder at your door until they kind of blow up on you and you have no choice, but to kind of deal with them. Yeah. Did you have a way or did you have something that you, how did you deal with that? Were you going to get into mindfulness? Were you, what, what was that like? Yeah. So I was definitely in therapy and I think again, like the biggest part of it for me is just giving yourself permission to have those feelings. Yeah. And just because you're I don't know. You're trying to be happy all the time. Doesn't mean you're not going to have hard things yeah. and it's okay to sit in it and to feel the hard things and to not be like, but I have so many good things. Like that's something people say to me all the time. Like they're in therapy. They've got all these heavy things happening. They're not functioning in their life and they're crying on the couch and they're like, but I know I should be thankful. And I'm like, yes. Right. Okay. And also, like, this is a really big, heavy deal. And you can be thankful and acknowledge that it's really hard at the same time. So, yeah. Do you you ever do anything with uh, acceptance and commitment therapy? Are you? A little bit. Not a lot. No, that's, I mean, so I love that it's the part, the part I love the most is that what you're, what you're sharing there is that you're human and you've had a whole lot of things happen and you've got all your own baggage you bring to the situation. So if you weren't feeling all of these things, then I would worry. Then I would think you're, you know, ignoring everything or you're, you know, so it's, it's okay to have all of that stuff come up, but then what do you do with it? I guess. Right. Right. Well, and what you do with it is you figure out how to cope with it in a healthy way, like Mm -hmm feeding your soul, right? Finding those things that are healthy releases, being able to talk to a therapist or a friend or whatever, whoever someone trusted in your life, being able to like 
whether that's journaling or reading or processing, like letting it be present for you and then putting it to bed while you go on with your life and then you revisit it and then yeah. you keep on with your life, you know? Yeah. And eventually you heal and you cope and it kind of gets smaller and smaller and you don't have to visit it as often. Do you, do you find, um, and I want to get to your, I want to get to your current marriage. I want to get to your, your adoption. I want to do all those kind of fun things too. Do you find a long podcast? I know, right? I'm my bad. I told you it would be 40 minutes. Probably gonna go a little no, long. No, it's oh. okay. I'm happy to keep talking with you. I love it. I do. So, do you find that you will still have, you know, some triggers that will bring the pretty intense sadness even all the way back to first marriage, or do you? Yeah. Find, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends. A lot of my sadness now around my first marriage relates to my kids. Okay. Um, and how they kind of are coping and how they, you know, like, like come to understand their relationship with their dad, which they don't really have. I mean, he does, he's still using, it's very mm. like public out in the open and he's not in a great place still 10 years later. Wow. And that affects my children, you yeah. know? And, um, and so that's, that's a big piece of the pain for me with that is how that affects my kids. But it's interesting that, um, there definitely are triggers and things in my relationship with my current husband, okay. you know, he'll say something or do something. And it's like all my, all my like warning signs go off and he's like, uh, I'm just watching a movie in the next room, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> like, <"Where are> you? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, wow, because I think when you have been, I'm so sorry. Did you hear that giant bang? That is okay. As long as it wasn't. Okay. Was it a kid? Go downstairs. Okay. <laughs> you have a, um, like a wound mm. that has happened in a relationship. You can do a lot of healing personally. You can work through a lot of trauma. But I really think that those wounds that started in a relationship get healed in a relationship. Mm. You start to trust. You start to reframe what different signals mean. And that work doesn't really happen until you're in a healthy relationship. And then all this, like 10 years later, you think you're doing great and you get married and it's like, oh, all this stuff's coming up for me that I never felt when I was single because, yeah. you know, no one was there to like show me that in that way. Right. Yeah, so No, it's, it's great. I, I feel like uh, I've had even people that didn't get in a healthy relationship in a second or third marriage. And, and then all of a sudden they're, they're saying, okay, what's, what's he, what's his angle, you know, when he's texting me nice things during the day or, you know, right. cause in the past it was like, okay, what's he want from me, you know? And, 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 and boy, helping, helping a client give that a voice so that here's this guy just maybe being genuine. And all of a sudden he doesn't know that he's, uh, you know, he's, I don't know, he's in trouble for being right. so nice. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, tell me about your current marriage. So we've been married five years. Okay. Oh, that's been, that's, that went fast, huh? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I had three kids from my previous marriages. I had two for my first and one for my second. And then um, my husband and I now, we have a two-year-old boy together. And um, we just adopted a little boy from an orphanage in Bulgaria. <laughs> and he's been home with us since about April. So we just are all kinds of crazy over here. <laughs> it's wonderful though. I mean, it, first of all, does your, uh, does your husband love being married to a therapist? I mean, are do you, does he? <laughs> <laughs> 
Everybody asked him that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, she can't afford me. So <laughs> I don't do therapy for him. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I know. I know spouses do not want to be, uh, have, be no. you know. And sometimes like if we're in an argument or something and he's like, because sometimes I get my therapy voice on. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm calm or whatever. And he's like, are you my therapist or my wife? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Your therapist is going to talk nicely to you and your wife's going to love it. So which one, which one do you want? <laughs> I love it. I love, I love, yeah, I love, I mean, every bit of me sometimes wants to say, man, I can understand how that would be hard for you to my wife or something. I can tell right. she's, ah, don't, don't do it. Don't try that stuff on me. You know? Right. <laughs> um, I'm like, I think under your frustration, you're feeling <laughs> hurt. He's like, I'm going to punch you in the face. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so then I do, I'm, you know, with all love and humor, you know, when you said that, man, we've got all kinds of crazy, it is, you know, it's like, Hey, so we've got the kids and th- these kids and this, and then, you know what, what, what are we missing? We, let's adopt the kid. Right. So, exactly. me, what, yeah. you know, we want to have a bunch of kids from a bunch of different dads and different last names. Like, let's just break it. Yeah. Talk we, about that. What, what led to the adoption? What, what was that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've never talked about adopting. I mean, clearly we have four children and some of them are going and coming and leave, right? They're all in very different situations and blending families and all of that. It's, it's, it's crazy, but we came across the account of a social, like on social media of a family who had adopted some kids with down syndrome Mm. from orphanages and started following their story and kind of opened my eyes to the world of orphans with special needs in other countries. And showed my husband and we're crying and we're kind of scrolling through profiles because they have profiles of kids that are available for adoption. And, um, you know, these kids are neglected and, and they don't, many of them don't live till they're 18. Um, it's just, it's really, really bad situation. And we came across his picture and we kind of just were attracted to that. We, he looked familiar to us somehow. Mm. And my husband after, and we keep scrolling and kind of going back. And my husband said, why don't you email mm. them and get some information? And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I thought we were just looking at anyways. And he's like, I just want information. And so one thing led to another and I got some information and then it kind of swapped and I felt really strongly like we needed to adopt him. And he was like, no, we're not Um, doing that. And, and anyway, but within two weeks we had committed and a year later and thousands of dollars and paperwork and hassle and everything. He came home in April of this year, 2018. What's that been like? It has been so hard. So <laughs> maybe that's where my post came from was right, trying okay. to focus, like, no matter where you are, even if you're in a great relationship and you have kids and you're in a place where you're adopting, it is yeah. still hard. Yeah. Um, I spent a lot of time like preparing my kids for the hard adjustment. And I spent a lot of time learning about how hard it would be for him. But I did not spend a lot of time preparing on how hard it would be on me. Mm, okay. Bring in this little stranger who has trauma, who's literally never been outside his orphanage before, mm. has no concept of the outside world. I mean, like walking off a curb and just would fall because he uh-huh. doesn't understand yeah. to like step off the curb, like things like that, that you're like, I have no idea how to even teach you that. Um, it, it was really hard. And he, my kids did great. They, they 
fundraise and they gave me their birthday money for him. You know, like they just like really took him in and he, he did great, but it was hard for me. I did not feel as connected as I thought I would feel right away. Yeah. And that took me by surprise and I felt guilty about Mm. that. And I spent many nights crying into my pillow about that. Um, and had to work through kind of just a lot of stuff that it's, a you know, I, I love is an action, right? Yeah, yeah. And I can love him and, and then that feeling will develop. And that's a really common thing with adoption. Some people feel connected right away, but many, many families don't. And that was just something I didn't even consider. Yeah. <laughs> But he's he's been home four months now. He just turned four yesterday. It was his birthday. Uh, yeah. First birthday in the United States. First time he ever even knew he even had a birthday, probably. And um, I just, it's really beautiful to watch him see the world. You know, like we go to a gas station and there's like rows of candy and food and his eyes are just like, <laughs> like never, you know, or we go to a park or a swing. I mean, just everything is so so exciting and new every time we feed him food he's like mm, mm, every, i'm like broccoli my kids are like eh. he's like this Aww. is so good you know it just kind of opens up your eyes to see the world in a different way and that really has been his gift to us that that we get to kind of go back to this innocent place and and yeah like with awe and wonder and gratitude because he knows what it's like to not have those things and yeah. anyway. That's beautiful. So, that is. Um, and you have your, have your little, have your girls just, uh, had fun having a brother. They adore him and yeah. my youngest. So my son who my biological son is only 13 months younger than our adopted. Oh, boy. okay. Okay. But developmentally my, our adopted little guy Milo is delayed. And so mm. him and Rocky are very much kind of on the same wavelength developmentally. Yeah. And they struggled for the first couple of weeks, but they are completely inseparable. They are troublemakers to the core together. And oh. it's cute. Rocky will say, I want to tell you a secret. I want to play with Milo. Like, he oh, <laughs> so loves him. And yeah. he'll say, You're cute, Milo. You're so <laughs> nice, Milo. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. I, mean, I love it. I love hearing that. I do. I, and I feel like, boy, now talk about the, the, the depth that you can cover. I mean, as far as from a empathy standpoint, right? It really is shocking when you kind of list out all. Yeah. I, I don't think I was thinking about this the other day. I don't think I've ever had a couple in session with me that I haven't had some kind of shared experience with mm. ever. Like whether that's, betrayal you know and it doesn't yeah. have to be the details are the same but like the core concepts and those experiences like i like it's very interesting that i've i just i got a lot of stuff in my backpack you know yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which which i and again i i think that's a wonderful thing and i love the fact that you are you're open with that you know at the beginning before we start recording i i love when i'll ask a guest hey anything that we don't want to talk about and, you know, I knew the answer for you was going to be, nope, yeah. you know, right? Yeah, yeah. So I love that. Um, all right. Yeah. I, I literally just crossed the hour mark. I am, I, time flew, right? It did. It um, did. Yeah, this was a blast. I'm hoping that, uh, selfishly, that I can have you back on. I mean, because obviously, yeah, I would say, to come on. you have a whole lot in your, uh, in your backpack. Um, yep, you so, know, if your listeners aren't sick of me yet. After no, no. Hour. 
So where, where can, uh, and by the way, I mean, where you are, people can go meet with you. That's what I love too. Right. I've started referring people when I know that they're in Utah. Where, so where do people find you? Yes. So I work currently at Amber Creek Counseling. It's a clinic in Sandy. Um, But if you want to connect with me online, I have a new website that's being built currently, Mm. NikkiHarmonTherapy.com, but it's not quite ready yet. So probably the best way to connect with me is through my social media. My Facebook page is Nikki Harmon, LDS Marriage and Family Therapist. My Instagram account is HaveJoy underscore therapy. And all my contact information is on there. You can message me or, you know, I'll, uh, and I'll, I'll include all the links. I mean, I, that, I'm excited about this. And uh, I don't know if I did the story, right? Um, on yeah, I, you know, I've only done a couple of stories on Instagram myself. It's kind of weird as a therapist. You're like, what do you do? Like, I can't like <laughs> do my sessions. What do I even do? Right, right. So I don't know. So there might be one up there now, although I guess when people hear this on Monday, this will have been in the past. So yes. they have you a can save your stories if you want. Can you? Okay. All right. I got some Googling to do, right? Um, All right, Nikki, this is, uh, I've been waiting for this for a long time. This is fantastic. I'm so grateful that you were on. I can't wait to have you again. And uh, I'm just grateful for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Tony. I appreciate it. All right. And we will see you next time on the virtual couch. Perfect. Compressed emotions flying past our heads and out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind is wonderful. Elastic waste and rubber ghost. I'm floating past the midnight hour. They push aside the things that matter most. Just might in